0: So, well, it is lovely to be here. I'm surprised at the lack of tables. I'm sorry it's been so long, obviously. Um, So thinking about the Ten Commandments and then thinking about the Bible, I kind of remember that someone once told me the Bible was um, basic information before leaving earth. Bible, B-I-B-L-E, basic information before leaving earth. And John often says to us about um, that when we get into the written word, and it leads us to the living word, that is Jesus. Um, and of course, that's true. In John 1, one, we hear, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. So Jesus is the word of God spoken out. But there's really something very special about this book. We hear about books, and I'll have a look out in the narthex and see what books are there. But there's something incredibly special about this book. Um, It's a book that's like no other book. You can read a passage one year when there's loads of tables around, and then you can come back, and you can read the same passage in another year when things are looking rather different. And actually, the first time it's spoken to you into the circumstances that you are in then it speaks deeply and directly about what you're facing but then when you're facing a different set of circumstances the same passage of the bible speaks to you in a different way not contradictory but just kind of adds something or or, or speaks kind of just in a different way or in a different tone to you and 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 so I mean the bible is just so wonderful and the time that you you know you just open it or you've got a, a verse you get every day or something and 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 that day it hits you between the eyes and and you think wow because God is speaking to us he loves us so much he's our father he loves us it's not he's not some kind of mystical being that we can't speak to he speaks to us all the time through things around us through people and definitely through his word Um, so there's something special about it and there's something and almost a living quality to this book but we shouldn't be surprised because all scripture is god-breathed and useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so this is the function of the um, basic information before leaving earth and um and it's now it always has been and it will be until Jesus comes again and the other thing that will be until Jesus comes again is something that John spoke about that being a Christian is counterculture it always has been I mean you know when when Christians were sort of doused in oil and set fire to in Nero's garden it was fairly obvious it was counterculture being a Christian but it's always going to be counterculture until Jesus comes again then it won't be it will be what's normal. It will be part of the kingdom that Jesus brings to us finally in its its whole entirety and its beauty. And um, this this series, you know, it's, it's almost a series of sermons in itself, how counter ca- counterculture uh, it is being a Christian. Um, and the Bible teaches us this, this thing with teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training, so that um, in, in Philippians it says. You, and it's you, and it's me as well, may be blameless and pure, children of God, without fault, in a crooked and depraved generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. So tonight we're thinking about, you shall not lie, one of the Ten Commandments. Um, Yeah. I was once told a different way of looking at the Ten Commandments, you know, because you can look at them and think of you know, Moses coming down the mountain. He got really quite cross the first time, didn't he? Because there was that golden calf and it was all kind of a bit of a bad scene. But, um, you know, the Ten Commandments, these really strong, thou shalt not um, kind of things. But I, I was once taught that you shall not kind of really can mean that we as God's chosen people don't have to do all the bad stuff that we see around us. We don't have to do it. Um, So if we, it's not as if we break the rules we're going to suddenly get struck with lightning. But the truth of it is that we don't have to lie, we don't have to commit adultery, we don't have to be um, coveting other people's things. I tell you I saw a Tesla at the the traffic lights at at Baylor's Crossroads. It was so lovely. I looked inside it, and it was all kind of white leather inside. I thought, cool, oh, that's a nice car. So I looked at the back and thought, oh, what was that? And it wasn't, I thought it was maybe a Mercedes or something like that, but it had this kind of teeth, wow, it's a Tesla. But I didn't covet it. I just thought it was really nice, because I, <laughs> I, I couldn't afford it in a million years. But anyway, we're not to covet, and we don't have to. We've actually got enough, to be honest. We've got enough. We've got Jesus. We've got enough really, We don't actually need a Tesla. But if he wanted to give me it, I mean, just, Anyway, but um, so if you follow Jesus and you learn his ways, we don't have to do those things that we're not meant to do. Um, John, so John gave me the title, You Shall Not Lie. But in my nearly infallible version, the, the NIV, um, you know, it says, You shall not give false testimony against your neighbour. Um, and, and John's title really brings us into the New Testament, into Jesus' times. The Old Testament had a lot to do with kind of legal matters, so not giving false testimony is really in keeping with that. Uh, but Je- And Jesus had strong words about the laws of the Torah. He said, do not think I've come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not the smallest letter nor the least stroke of a pen will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished. So he was kind of, I think, speaking then, and, and to us now, about the difference between Grace and license. You know, Jesus was full of grace and truth. I'm thinking tonight about truth, but full of grace, you know, just such goodness and loving kindness towards us um, and, and truth. Um, but he wasn't full of license. It, it, nowhere does it say here, um, well, follow me, but you can do what you like and that you're going to be forgiven anyway, so it's all right. It just isn't that. It's, it's grace and truth. And he was teaching us about how he kind of loves us, and how he wants better for us, and how he wants us to leave behind the wrong things we're doing. But in no way is he saying it doesn't matter, or we can, because of him, we can do what what we like, because we can't. So he went on to teach about the Ten Commandments a bit. Um, he, he said that, for instance, like, do not murder, or do not kill. But he said, but anyone who's really furious with someone else and harbors kind of almost like murderous thoughts in their hearts, is guilty of the same sort of sin. And he said, you know, it says in the Ten Commandments, do not commit adultery. But he said, when we entertain sexual thoughts about someone, and and reading pornography is included in this, um, we breach the same law. So he's calling us to kind of like a wider and a a higher understanding of the Ten Commandments. So extending, um, not bearing false witness against your neighbor, lying in court, to telling us not to lie ever is a safe extension of the initial commandment, um, fulfilling the same law in the new covenant of Jesus' blood, which was paid for us at such a great cost. And, And I know this because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said he was the truth. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth. So when we speak about things at work, at home, or anywhere, we're handling the truth. We're handling the truth. Now, it's hard for us because we do see through a glass darkly, and that's why we shouldn't judge anyone, because only God knows the whole of everything and understands why people do what they do or why they say what we do. We only kind of have a a small kind of look into what people are doing or why they're doing it. So, so it is kind of hard and when we speak the truth we, we do have to leave a little bit of leeway that we may not have the entire, um, the, the entire truth in our hands but we do have to speak out the truth because when we're handling the truth we're handling Jesus and it's his precious life that is in our hands as we speak. It's his precious life. Um, and we don't want to not speak the truth, because it's Jesus. Um, the irony of me doing any sermons at all is that I find that often I'm speaking to myself, which after 40 years, 43 years of marriage with Dougie, is a situation I am familiar with. But, um, but I'm just hoping against hope always, that, that some folk um, are actually listening, and um, that you're kind of feeling the same way as, as me. Because truth has been a problem with me for most of my 65 years. I know I don't look it, but I'm definitely 65. (laughs) Um, And I'm not small either. Yes, I am. I'm small and I'm 65. Um, But I'm only maybe recent years really understanding the preciousness of truth and the power of truth and the terrible damage of untruth. So I'm wanting to kind of share it with some, many of you are much younger than me, share it now. And I, I, I would love it if you could get hold of it a bit before I did. So, but it's not a case of speaking about you know, kind of like, don't do what I do, do what I tell you. It's more kind of me sharing with you what I've found out and what I've committed myself to um, so that you like me can continue working out your salvation with fear and trembling. My problem with the truth is that I always, as far as I can remember back, was a people pleaser. Um, I was brought up in a time, most of you weren't brought up in, when children were seen and not heard and were, were meant to be really, you know, just always looking very good and meek and mild and everything. So I learned to say what people wanted to hear. And this wasn't always, this definitely wasn't always the truth. I didn't want people to be angry with me. I was rather frightened of some adults in my life. I didn't want people to be angry with me. So I would say what they might want to hear. I didn't want to hurt people's feelings. Um, And that's really an exhausting way of life because I couldn't always remember what I'd said. So, you know, it's, it's really exhausting. And actually, bottom line was, I just wanted to be nice. I wanted people to like me. But as I started to follow Jesus... I quickly found someone who wasn't nice. Jesus is not nice. He's good. He's so good, we can't imagine how good he is. He's loving. Um, We never have and we never will be loved as much as we're loved by him. He's very patient, he never gives up on us. He's very, very, very kind. He's faithful, he never leaves us or forsakes us, no matter what stinkers we are, he never leaves us or forsakes us. But he's not nice. Um, I just took some examples of where he wasn't very nice. He said, he said seven woes to the Pharisees. One of them was, woe to you teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You're like whitewashed tombs who look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and corruption. Um, to the rich young man who said he kept all the laws from his childhood, Jesus said, if you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasures in heaven. Then come, follow me. And the young man went away sad because he had great wealth. And then when Jesus was coming to be crucified, he um, he, said, he told the disciples this would, got, would, what would be what would happen. And Peter said, no, no, Lord, this must never happen to you. And Jesus turned to him and said get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Finally, um, once I heard a preacher describe the next bit as the time when Jesus sinned. So obviously his theology was a bit dodgy, but um, it was, this is what it was written. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts, he found men selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove out from the temple area both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins from the money changers and overturned their tables. The tables, and to those that sold doves, he said, "Get out of here! How dare you turn my father's house into a market?" So there was no nice Jesus here. There was no gentle Jesus, meek and mild. There was God, and he is good. We see in that our God and a man of truth. But why was it he wasn't so nice? Why did he say these cutting things? Well, the reason was because he loves people so much. I have somewhere, do I have it here? I thought I had a, yeah, I've got a a little sock. Now, when I came out tonight, when I came out tonight, my husband said, he said, "Um, although your sock matches your dress, it looks terrible. Um, And actually, the thing was, he was quite right. And I do rely on Douglas for sartorial advice, but because I was walking here... I thought I would just wear them anyway, but it's quite right, and he could say that to me because he loves me, he doesn't like me to look so terrible, and he just, he cares about me, and, and, and that's right, isn't it? You can, if you, and so I'm trusting him, and he's trusting me, and he can say things like that, I thought, yeah, it's because he loves me, actually, he doesn't like to see me walking around like a silly old woman in socks, but there we are, I wore them anyway. LAUGHTER um, <laughs> But it's it's because Jesus loved the people that we've heard about so much. He saw so much better for them. Instead of lives of greed and sin and hypocrisy, he saw so much better for them. And by telling them the truth, he was giving them a chance to change. Truth is difficult. It, It can be very inconvenient, and using it can be very scary. Um, And I've had some experience of that recently, but I'm not going to actually tell you. I'll tell you another time. But but we do have to ask for an increase in faith and trust to become truth bringers in the world. Because speaking the truth can get you into trouble, like Martin Luther King or Abraham Lincoln or all the disciples probably, except for John, who were all bumped off. Um, And then Nelson Mandela, who spent 27 years in prison, 18 years in Robben Island in a cell nine feet by seven feet with a a bulb on day and night over his head for 18 years. So speaking the truth can get you into trouble. So how can we do it and how can we handle the truth? Well, there are some things like, you know, when someone says to you, does my bum look big in this? and it does, if you or, or, or you don't like their socks. Um, if you really love them, tell them. I'm glad my husband told me about my socks. But, um, but if you haven't got such a kind of trusting relationship, it could be quite damaging, really, to your friendship if you say, well, yes, it is. But the Bible tells us that there is a time and there is a time to speak and a time to be silent. So we don't have to lie. The thing of tonight is do not do not lie. You don't really have Douglas actually didn't have to say anything, really. You don't actually have to say anything, and, and there are times not to say anything. And Jesus did that in his ministry. Do you remember the woman caught in adultery and there was this murderous crowd? And I mean it was all taken off. It was about the like the riot the Capitol building. It was all taken off. But Jesus just drew in the sand he didn't say anything and again when he was taken before the Sanhedrin he didn't say anything so there's a time really not to say anything and the other thing was Jesus also threw questions back at people he said who do you say that I am and um, and when he was being accused he said why question me ask those who heard me so Pilate asked, asked him are you king of the Jews and he said is that your own idea, or did others talk to you about me? You know, we he didn't. We don't have to say stuff, really. We can. I know it's. it's it says with me who talks all the time, it's really difficult to say you don't have to say anything. But really, you really don't have to say anything. But if we love people enough, and if it's the right time, then it's good to tell them the truth. Jesus said, "If you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth." and the truth will set you free. And there's total freedom in the truth. Um, But in order to experience that freedom, we almost have to free fall into Jesus' love. And we're going to find that his ways are not our ways, but beneath us always are the everlasting arms when we're in the truth. And there's hideous, tangled, exhausting imprisonment in a lie. So it's whether we're going to free fall into God's love or get ourselves all tangled up Finally, I've missed out one very important person in this testimony about the truth because it's, it's him that we need if we're going to walk on this journey of truth together. And it's just a little bit in John 15 as I close. John 15. So, remembering, th- remembering that truth is cult- counterculture. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. This is Jesus, by the way. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they'll obey yours also. If they treat you this way because of my name, they they will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. And then he said, when the counselor comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And then he said, I have much more to say to you. And that's what he's saying to us tonight. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he'll guide you into all truth. So the Holy Spirit is the one that we need. I know that I'm on that journey. I'm I'm not a great traveler, really, with it. I make mistakes all the time. But I'm on the journey which began with Moses on Mount Sinai. You shall not lie. So are we all ready for this journey? Have we counted the cost? We're going to need the Holy Spirit for this journey. So if, if anyone wants to ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit for the first time tonight, or if anyone feels they've leaked a bit as they've journeyed on and need a fresh infilling, I know there'll be people at the end who'll be more than happy to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We need him for the journey of truth. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for one another. Thank you so much for on this journey together and none of us have got 10 out of 10 or A plus. We're all just kind of walking along together, seeking out your ways. But we do pray for one another. We pray that we will hear your word speaking to us because you love us so very much. We pray that we will invite the Holy Spirit into our hearts so that we'll be ready for this journey, which can be tough at times. But thank you, dear Lord Jesus, that you promise that you'll always be with us. You never leave us or forsake us because you are the truth. And Father God, we pray these things in Jesus' dear name. Amen.